Hello, good afternoon and welcome to the Midday News. We're live on Joy, 99.7 FM here in Accra. In Kumasi, we're on Love, 99.5 FM affiliate across Ghana's 16 regions. We're on Radio Max in Takrade, Lolonyo FM in Hohoi, Kekeli FM in Ho, Radio Justice in Tamale, and Radio Freed in Nandom. We're on Twitter Spaces, we're on Facebook, we're on myjoyonline.com. The Midday News is sponsored by Duraplus Ghana Limited, producers of quality PVC pipes and water tank. Where Duraplus goes, water flows. This afternoon, High Court restraints Office of Special Prosecutor from Arresting Secretary of the Defunct Interministerial Committee on Illegal Mining, Charles Bissu. But the OSP says it does not need a warrant to effect an arrest. We have their response. Also, NDC minority wants the OSP to arrest Gabia Sariotridako, Lord Kome, and others implicated in the IMCI Galamse report. It must go beyond the arrest of Professor Frimpong Barton. It should go wider by ensuring the arrest of government appointees, which includes uh, Mr. Gabi Ochredako. Yeah, last year, we had 13 for the entire year. This year, that's the middle of the year, June, we are already at 25. So that's essentially 100% increase. The Cybersecurity Authority will give us details of that and more here on the Midday News. I am MFA Apau. This is your home of independent, fearless and credible journalism. Please stay on for details. Thanks for choosing us. And our very first story for this afternoon, the Office of the Special Prosecutor has been barred from effecting any warrant, allowing it to arrest the Secretary of the Defunct Interministerial Committee on Illegal Mining, Charles Bissou. The High Court, presided by Justice Nicholas Abudakbi, has also asked the OSP not to apply for a further warrant of arrest until the case filed by Mr. Bissou is determined. The OSP has for more than two weeks been trying to interrogate Mr. Bissou for his role on the anti Galamse committee. The officers declared him wanted, but he's yet to show up despite assuring he would do so. My colleague Joseph Akable has just returned from court to give us a blow by blow account of happenings in court. So, Joseph, um, let's talk about this particular application by the lawyers for Mr. Bissou and the orders issued by the court. And so, it has to do with some of the issues that they've already raised in the public domain, making the point that they want a copy of the petition that gave rise to the investigation that was undertaken by. By the Office of Special Prosecutor. We know that they have actually applied at the High Court asking that the OSP to be compelled to make available that particular motion. And so Nanaje, who are lead counsel for Mr. BCU, told the court that as far as they do not have the basis for the investigation, for which reason they had been invited, it meant that the OSP was acting in a manner which is unfair, unreasonable, and unlawful. He also made the point that he had been reliably informed that sometime on or around the 7th of June 2023, the OSP had applied to the court and had been granted an arrest warrant allowing him to arrest uh, Charles Bissou. And so he makes the point that this was despite the fact that there were pending motions he had filed against the Office of Special Prosecutor. And so he urged the court to grant the request. There was also a comment he made about the notice that was published by the Office of Special Prosecutor. Mm-hmm. He says the notice is illegal and it's a product of an arrest warrant procured contrary to law. And so he urged the court to also uh, halt or grant an order directing the OSP from desisting from circulating or publishing such a notice. And so in terms of the orders that the court issued... Mm-hmm. 
The first is that uh, the warrant should not be executed, and so the OSP is bad from executing the arrest warrant it purposed to have procured. Again, it's bad from applying for further arrest warrant pending the determination of the substantive matter, and finally, publishing notices purporting the applicant to be wanted pending the determination of the substantive matter. And the lawyers for the OSP in court, what argument did they advance? They were actually not in court. The reason being that this is an ex parte application, okay. which means once a lawyer for Mr. Bisu filed the documents in court, the lawyers for the OSP were not even served. Okay. And so what it also means is that the order that has been granted is to last for just 10 days. And so mm. after 10 days, unless they repeat the application or notice, i.e. bringing it to the attention of the OSP for them to respond, it will mean that after 10 days, all these orders that we've talked about will not be in effect anymore. Was the um, Charles Bissou himself in court today? No, he wasn't present. Okay, court. so earlier they had mentioned that they were going to file a contempt against the OSP. Did that come up? Uh, they've not initiated that process okay. yet, yes. Okay, thank you very much. That's my colleague Joseph Akable returning from court. But we've been hearing uh, from the OSP in the last few minutes also on this later development. Elton Brobe uh, joins me in studio. Uh, what exactly is the OSP's response to this high court order? Well, they are saying that it is not true that they've gone to court to procure an arrest warrant. They've not done so. What they are also saying is that the OSP does not need an arrest warrant to arrest a person they reasonably believe to have committed an offence and that should be still report and the decision is that he should be arrested, he will be arrested. Even if he's seen in town, he will be arrested. He said they are also saying that a person published as wanted simply means he has refused, ignored and neglected to attend to the sermon of an investigative body. And according to the OSP, when such a person is outside Ghana, Interpol would rather be alerted. But if the person is in Ghana, then there's no need for Interpol to come into this matter. When such a person reports, the wanted notice will be revoked. But according to them, they've not gone to court. They have the power as an investigative body to effect an arrest, and they will do so anytime uh, they come into contact with Mr. Charles Bissou. Okay, and I'm sure you've been checking the website of the OSP, and that wanted notice is still there. Charles Bissou is still a wanted man. Okay, thank you very much. And that's Elton Brobe with details from the Office of the Special Prosecutor in spite of that court order that's just coming in. Well, the minority in Parliament, meanwhile, says the Special Prosecutor, Kisie Jabing, must go after the big Galamse names and stop hers and persons like Professor the former chair of the now defunct Interministerial Committee on Illegal Mining, we know was arrested by the OSP and granted bill, while the former secretary, Charles Pitu, has been declared a wanted man. While speaking to journalists in parliament, ranking member on the Lands and Forestry Committee, Dr. Rashid Pelpo, called for the immediate arrest of cousin of the president, Gabia Sarochidako, and directors of, pre- of operation at the presidency, Lord Kome, who were all mentioned in Professor Frempombuatin's Galamse report. We believe that if government wants to demonstrate seriously or seriousness in the fight against Galamse, it must go beyond the arrest of Professor Frimpom Barton. It should go wider by ensuring the arrest of government and jubilee appointees at the heart of government, which, in go, which includes uh, Mr. Gabi Ochredako, the president's cousin, the Director of Operations, Mr. Lord Comey, including Honorable Joseph Albert Kwam, who have all been cited by the committee. It is our opinion that a public inquiry on the committee reports and damage to our forest reserves is necessary, especially with the now wider destruction of our lands and rivers by Galamsey operators. 
Well, still in Parliament, the minority say government must put before them a plan to replace textbooks with laptops in schools. The plan announced by the vice president will cost the taxpayer 1.5 billion CDs, but the minority say details about the plan is scanty. According to minority leader Dr. Kaysa Latoforsen, who was contributing to the debate on approval of get fund allocation formula, government must explain to Parliament the procurement processes and other details surrounding that particular project. Correspondent Kweku Asante joins us on the line uh, with more from Parliament. So what exactly are the concerns here, Kweku? The minority says that government did not budget for this project. And once the vice president went to town and made that promise, government has shifted this blame to get fund, and get fund is expected to fund it. So yesterday when the House considered a get fund allocation formula, it was, it was seen that about 800 million cities have been allocated from get fund to fund this project. The minority says there's no policy and opinion to this and that they need details before they can, they can give approval for this money to be spent. Members expressed the need for government to present to this House a policy on government distribution of laptops to be used as a way to replace textbooks. The speaker, this is particularly important because members will need to at least apprise ourselves with government drive as to the replacement of the laptops. Most particularly, that there is not every school that will have access to electricity. The speaker, we were told that that laptops will cost approximately 1.5 billion cities. And now the formula is allocating 740 million Ghana cities. Well, could, could just before you take leave of us, uh, what's it, what else is expected to happen in Parliament today? So the Works and Housing Committee of Parliament is not really excited about some abandoned state housing company um, affordable housing projects. They say that they expect those projects to be completed despite state housing insisting that these projects were started under the S.W.A. John Mahama government and some corruption so-called activities happened. And because of that, they want to do some due diligence. And so they are going to tour some of those facilities. We also expect that this laptop controversy will linger on a little bit on the floor of Parliament as the minority still demand answers. That's the Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent, Kweku Asante. Now, government is undertaking perhaps the biggest incentives to drive interest in commercial agriculture with the ultimate aim of revamping the yielding economy. Under the Novel Agricultural Focus Economic Enclave, government is making available suitable lands fitted with power supply, irrigation, warehousing, and other inputs to enable stress-free farming across the country. To address bureaucracy, government has tasked the Millennium Development Authority to implement this particular agenda. We'll hear more on the program, but first listen to President's eight-point agenda to address shortfalls in the economy. The main elements of this program are A, supporting commercial farming and attracting educated youth into commercial farming. B, building the country's light manufacturing sector. C, developing engineering machine tools and ICT digital economy industry. D, fast-tracking digitalization. E, developing Ghana's housing and construction industry. F, establishing Ghana as a regional hub. G, reviewing and optimizing the implementation of government flagships and key programs. And H, creating jobs for young people and expanding opportunities to the vulnerable in society including physically challenged persons. 
Well, the president also provides some fine details on the novel agricultural focus economic enclave. I'm pleased to mention that under this novel EEP, government is facilitating the availability of suitable and well-prepared land fitted with farm roads, power supply, irrigated water, some farming equipment and much needed infrastructure for trainee farmers' accommodation, grain processing, input, and equipment storage and warehousing. The involvement of the 48th Engineer Regiment of the Ghana Armed Forces in land preparation and development President Akufado, there were clearly this is modeled on the state farms policy implemented in 1962. And despite the huge potential in the agricultural sector, it has yet to be fully exploited. So will this particular program work? Joining us to explore this new initiative by the president is the, is the executive director of the Peasant Farmers Association, Charles Nyaba. We are grateful for your time here on, on the Midday News. This should be good news for you and the sector. But really, do we know how this will work? Um, good afternoon. And then, uh, th- thanks so much for the opportunity. Yeah, so if you look at the, the problems that we are currently facing, and then uh, the kind of uh, uh, activities that they plan to implement under the economic anchorage project, I think it's good. We have limited attention. We have limited education facilities. We have poor feeder road networks. But as I always said, Poor consultation of stakeholders led to poor implementation of several projects in Ghana. Typical example is uh, one village, one dam. Now, if you look at Ghana, our agricultural landscape, smallholder farmers supply 80% of the food we eat in this country. They are willing to take all the risks in terms of weather failure and what have you. But anytime we are coming now with the programs, we do not consider their role and their importance in those projects. You are looking for 20,000 hectares of land within a community for this project. What happened to the existing farmers in those areas? Which part of Ghana will you go and see 20,000 acres of land lying free for you to go there and develop the land, put electricity, put all those things for farmers to go in and cultivate? Mm-hmm. So what is likely to do is for land owners and chiefs to displace farmers who are already farming in those lands, and then we clear them and develop for the economy and food program. So I'm thinking that mm. we are going to create a problem by trying to solve another problem. So further consultation, you say, will be the way to go? I, yes, that, that's what we should do. Because okay. in the first place, I'm just imagining which part of Ghana we are going to get 20,000 acres of land lying down for this project that we plan to do. Okay, we'll leave it here for now and explore it much later. That's the executive director of the Peasant Farmers Association, Charles Nyaba. There now, the Bank of Ghana is partnering security agencies to crack down on more than 90 unlicensed entities granting loans to customers through electronic platforms. Operation of unlicensed financial companies has been a major challenge in the last few years with investors sometimes losing huge sums of monies. The BOG's FinTech and Innovation Office is concerned about how online platforms Platforms have become the new means such companies transact business. The laws of this country mm-hmm. requires that before an entity put itself out as a credit provider, it has to be licensed by the bank. Sure. The reason is that in the provision of credit, there are a number of risks that come 
and it is important that the regulator help to mitigate that risk. Let me look at it from the consumer perspective. The entities that have that practice by Bank of adhere to strict consumer protection requirements, as you will be aware. Anytime that a consumer has a problem with a service provider, that will make a for redress. Now, if you've been able to identify some of them, why haven't you arrested them? The security agency is responsible for arrest. We are working with it, and the process is ongoing. And uh, we do not want to put out information out which may undermine in this direction. Okay. Final question. So, if you're looking at the interest rates charged, now, these are rates charged on the borrower. If the borrower is not complaining, why your concern? The borrower's complaint could be manifested in different ways. Hmm. What we have seen is that there are a number of borrowers who, because of the higher interest rates, have not been able to repay their loans. That's Clarence Blair. He's in charge of FinTech and Innovation Office at the Bank of Ghana. Let's run through some of these entities that the BOG has concerns about. Mamiesi Nyamiche Thompson joins me in studio. Uh, let's go through them, Mamiesi. And MFA, there are quite a number of them. I'll just go through a few of them. They have Flash Cash, Accra, GH Lending, MO Loan, Rapid CD, 100 CD, that is 100 CD, um, CD Help, Mass CD Consult, CD Boom, Cash Loan Pro, Air Cash, Aquaba Payment, For Credit, Ghana Lending, Acon Credit, mm-hmm. Ghana, Ghana Loan, that is G-A-N-A Loan, okay. and a host of others. Okay, thank you very much, Mamesi. And just before we head out uh, to the break, we've been talking about the High Court restraining the Office of the Special Prosecutor from arresting Secretary of the Defunct Interministerial Committee on Illegal Mining, Charles Pissu. My colleague, Elton Broby, joined me earlier uh, with some details from what we're learning from the Office of the Special Prosecutor. Now there is an official notice from the OSB. Uh, Elton, what does it say? So they are saying that the general public is advised that in the exercise of its police powers, the Office of the Special Prosecutor can arrest without a warrant any person it reasonably suspects of having committed corruption or corruption-related offences. Okay, and that takes us on a quick break. When we return, we have sports. Remember, the Midday News is proudly sponsored by Duraplus Ghana Limited, producers of quality PVC pipes and water tank. Where Duraplus goes, water flows. And then later, romance fraud cases increased by 100%, with victims losing over 2 million CDs in the first half of this year. First last year, last year, we had 13 for the entire year. This year, there's a middle of the year, June, we are already at 25. So that's essentially 100% increase. Thanks for staying with us here on the Midday News and what a sport is about to be. And Mubarak is here with some big man. Yep. Let's go to it. <laughs> yeah, and it's Hearts of Folk and Asante Kotoko who have won 45 league titles between them. Now, since 2015, they've won a combined two. Now, Tony Oben is the GFA Executive Council member and he says their era has come to an end. The day of the dominance of these clubs are over and this is a reflection of football globally i mean whoever thought 
that Saudi Arabia will beat um, will beat Argentina and, and and many other uh, you know, surprises that are coming up in football. So generally, we must accept that there is a, there's a certain trend that is leading to those unsung clubs coming up because this time around they have the right clues and they are they are using the right approach. So yeah, Gary Al Smith joins me in studio for a brief discussion. Now, Gary, do you? agree with the assertion of Tony Aubin? Well, it's tempting because, but it's happened before. Um, Diana Stars were very good. We saw other teams have fleetingly good years, two, three years, and then Hearts of Folk and Asante Kotoko came back. But the, what is happening, the trends show that Hearts recruitment and Kotoko's recruitment is increasingly getting more difficult because players are moving to clubs not for their name alone but for money and heart and Kotoko these days don't seem to be able to pull that amount of money and you can see that even in the last what four editions of you know what many consider Ghana's flagship football awards the Ghana football awards the numbers of awards that Asante Kotoko and Heart of Folk have been winning keeps dwindling last season Kotoko basically swept everything that was on offer including their CEO but this year they've barely had any nominations and you can you can tell from that as, as for Hearts of Folk they are barely there as well <laughs> and so the awards will be coming off um, next week and Ghana Football Awards Ghana Football Awards will be coming off next week and unfortunately for Hearts and Kotoko fans you will not be too represented <laughs> <laughs> that's about it here for sports back to you MFA thank you very much and let's talk about romance fraud and the Cyber Security Authority has recorded a 100% increase in, in the fraud in just six months from January to June this year 25 persons were duped about 2.5 million CDs at the cost for falling in love according to the Cyber Security Authority this is a big jump in the cases reported in 20. 22. Only 13 cases were recorded that year, but the scammers aren't slowing down on getting more people tricked. My colleague, Mami Sinyamiche Thompson, she has not been tricked and will not be. She joins me in studio with more. Let's uh, break down the numbers. Fortunately, and so according to the Cyber Security Authority, um, 18 males um, were tricked out of the 25 and 7 were females. So mostly males are the victims. And this, this, um, this number comes from January of this year to June 12th. Mm. So that means that the numbers are changing. Mm. There could be more coming in as the year progresses. But as of last year, only 13 cases were recorded. Emma. Well, stay safe. Now, the lead of the computer emergency response team at the CSA, Stephen Kuju, says she says Ghanaians must be vigilant and report suspicious characters who hit them up online. What happens to the thing is that they, they think they're in love with somebody, but then eventually what they end up doing is they lose valuables, they lose money, or they lose property or investments to these people. Um, it, we don't, we can't say we have specific um, evidence, but definitely the cybersecurity authority has been very busy increasing its efforts around creating awareness. So it, it is likely also contributory factor that people now know and can report. It's also also quite possible that people are experiencing more of this. We get reports from Ghanaians that are local. We also get reports from Ghanaians that are outside. We've also had a handful of cases where there are actually foreigners that have experienced it from people they think are Ghanaians. 
Let's head to Takradi now. And the Pagrant runabout is named after one of Ghana's founding fathers, George Pagrant, a timber merchant from Western Region who paid for Dr. Kwame Nkrumah to travel down to Ghana from abroad to lead Ghana's fight to independence. Today, a place that bears his name has been abandoned by the government and deeper potholes have taken over the area, causing huge traffic in rush hours in Takradi. Samuel Kujubris, travel to Takradi as always, and has come through with this report. Potholes have been developed in the southern part of Ranabad and northern part of Ranabad have been developed. It's a serious thing that we ought to look at. Unfortunately, we can't tie the reason why we can't do this route to Russian and Ukraine war and COVID. That's Charles Mintaba, a social commentator in the western region, lamenting how deplorable the Pagrant runabout is currently. The Pagrant runabout is a very critical route in the Sekendi Takrodi metropolis. A sad story, however, is that the stretch is riddled with potholes. The Pagrant runabout here in the Sekendi Takrodi metropolis, named after one of Ghana's founding fathers, George Pagrant. How do we as a country intend to honor his memory? What we've decided to do is to honor him with potholes. Several potholes surround this roundabout. Charles Mintaba is not happy. So let's assume that Pagran was seated here alive. Will we allow this route to deteriorate to this state? Driver John supplies mineral water in the metropolis. We have complained about the pothole several times, but nothing is done about it. If some of my load had not been bought, all of it would have poured onto the road now. That's the situation in Pagrant in Takrade. We are told there are more potholes there than buildings. Now, former Commissioner of the Electoral Commission, Dr. Kojoa Farijan, has cautioned against any form of rush to introduce technology into Ghana's election process. Dr. Farijan warns that although the use of technology has become convenient in electoral processes globally, it could spell doom for Ghana's election if we do not manage it properly. He spoke a while ago at the University of Ghana's roundtable discussion, election technology and the future of election in Ghana. Um, we can listen to him. In fact, it was not until I got into elections and we began to introduce technology into our work that I realized that indeed making things slowly has useful meaning. Well, that's... Um Kojo Afarijan, the former Electoral Commission boss. While well, the Electoral Commission has meanwhile concluded the balloting for the four candidates contesting the Asim North by-election, James Jachekwesing of the NDC, Charles Opoku of the NPP, Sefanu Bernis Enyonam of the LPG, and Abedu Agatha as independent candidates are the four candidates contesting. Now, following the balloting, the NPP's Charles Opoku is at the top, followed by LPG Sefanu Bernis Enyonam. The NDP NDC's James Achikwesing is in third position, followed by the independent candidates. Well, the by-election is set for June 27, and your election headquarters has it all covered. And barely three months after Joy News aired the One District Sum Factories Hotline documentary, the government has started rolling out interventions aimed at resolving the challenges bedeviling the policy. One of the factories that was badly affected was the APEP Cylinder Manufacturing Company Limited, located at Ewutu Brukusu. My colleague Richard Kujun has more. And so now, if you come to our factory, oh, you'll be shocked. 
we are not getting to almost close 200,000 cylinders. We cannot send one out. This was the situation with their PEP cylinder manufacturing company, one of the companies under government one district one factory located at Ewutu Breku. The company was limping badly, and the thought of shutting it down became very imminent. Chief executive of the company was distraught, broken, and felt all hope was lost. But today, the narrative has changed. Following your documentary recently um, on the challenges that we were faced with, by the grace of God, as you speak, the markets have started responding. But your documentary got the government to take some actions, and as you speak, now the pricing levels have come to a normal level, and so we are all playing in the field. The workers are busy putting metals on metals to produce the cylinders. The information I got was that the president himself saw the documentary and he wasn't happy at all about what he saw. So immediately he taxed some officials in government to ensure that the issues are resolved. And as we speak, um, not completely resolved, but at least um, to the extent that we are now able to enter the market and do our business. I 